Hey everybody, I'm Tim Muma. Welcome into localjobnetwork.com radio. You're listening to Management Decisions, a podcast focused on strategies and advice on the various issues that employers and management may be concerned with. Now that would include hiring and who should be considered those worthy candidates. A large group of individuals may actually be getting ignored, but the question is, should they all be shunned? Chris Dunn joins the show to talk about this subject. Chris is the Chief Human Resources Officer for Kinetics. He's also an experienced and respected voice in the HR world, and you can find his thoughts over at the HR Capitalist. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on, and uh, I think it's an interesting topic. We're talking a little bit about the idea of unemployed individuals, um, whether it be maybe short-term, long-term, but... I guess that's the first question I would come up with for you is when we're talking about this idea of maybe concerns with the unemployed, how much does length of the unemployment play a factor? Is there a magic number that you would point to? And what's sort of your general thought when it comes to when that might be an issue for an employer? Well, I think I think people who are unemployed naturally have, you know, a, a hill to climb up. Um, and it's not really driven, in my eyes, necessarily by recruiters. Okay. Not necessarily driven by the HR pros. Um, it's really driven by the hiring managers. Hmm. So, you know, what we find a lot, you know, out there in the world is that hiring managers have a checklist of things they want to go through. They've all got the perfect candidate in their mind. And when it comes to recruiters or HR pros that recruit to try and match, you know, candidates with those hiring managers' needs, you know, I always find recruiters and HR pros are much more flexible about thinking about the possibilities, and they're, they're, they're open to people who are currently unemployed, which we would code as really active prospects. But there's a lot of hiring managers out there that really don't want to consider unemployed people because, sure. candidly, they think there's something wrong with them. Hmm. And, you know, when, when you look back at the recession that happened, late 07, you know, early 08 that, you know, lasted two to three years. And some people would say we're not even out of now. You know, I think we're, we're coming off a period where there's a lot of people who were cast out as unemployed, got impacted by reorganizations, downsizings, really through no fault of their own. So we're really coming out of a period where there's a lot of people that were good, solid performers and even great performers who right. got impacted by that. But hiring managers don't really view it that way. So, so there is a problem, and it's a hard one to deal with for anybody who re- recruits for a living or supports those hiring managers. You know, and, and we're definitely going to touch on a couple of the aspects you mentioned there, the idea of maybe you know, a, a quality employee who, through no fault of their own, ended up without that position. But I did want to ask, what is it exactly that scares away, for lack of a better term, employers from looking at someone who's been unemployed? I mean, is it simply a, a skills thing? Is it just, well, they got laid off or, or whatever here that it's going to happen with us? I mean, what, can you point to anything in particular that comes up? You asked me for a magic number when it becomes a concern. So I'll, I'll give you a, a magic number related to skills. You know, I, I think there's two magic numbers. I think six months out of work and then one year out of work, I think at that point, you know, people who are looking at you as a, as a candidate, I think at that point they start to wonder if they've been out too long to hit the ground running. Sure. Certainly they do that at the one-year mark. Some people even do that at the six-month mark. Could happen earlier in some cases. But I think the one-year mark is the magic thing. If, you, if you're a white-collar employee, you know, and you've been out of work that long, people start thinking, ah, are the skills weak, things like that. So, so they've, they've, got, they've got to deal with that. 
so yes, the magic number, I want to give you that. But the, uh, the other big thing, even through like companies that go through huge like downsizings and, and reorganizations is there's, there's very much the bias that companies don't cast out high performers. Right. That when, when there's a reorganization and a company takes 10 to 15% out of their workforce through that reorganization, that downsizing, it's never the high performers who are going to go. It's always people who are lower performing. Now, I think what we found with the recession in 07, 08, and 09 is that there's a lot of really good performers that were impacted as like entire companies shut down, mm-hmm. especially in the you know, small to medium sized business thing. Um, but there's still that bias. The, the bias is that, hey, I've been on the company side, I am on the company side, and when we do a realignment, we never impact the high performers. It's always the lowest performers who go, and we design the thing with that in mind. I, I think that uh, makes sense, and I think the listeners can understand that point of it. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily shocking to hear it, uh, but of course hearing it from somebody who has experience in this area I think definitely gives it a little more credibility. Do you see at all when it comes to this idea of, of hiring is there an issue that possibly employers are more selective because in essence it's it's sort of like a buyer's market you have so many people that are looking for positions and employers can maybe be a little more choosy so it's easier to sort of lop off that section or am i looking at it in too simply of an idea well i don't think you're looking at it too simply but i think the the tide has turned a little bit i think as the economy has improved and you know there's still some people that say we're not out of the the recession i think we probably are Mm -hmm. but as we look at hiring practices you know the you know there's enough people that have ramped up their hiring post-recession that you know it's no longer necessarily the buyer's market it was in 2011 2012. okay i think that started to flip in early 2013 the labor market is much tighter especially in the white collar world and you, you really, you know, you really can't afford whether you're a hiring manager or a recruiting group or an, or an HR department, you can't afford to think that it's a buyer's market because the, the best talent out there has a bunch of options because there's so many employers that are ramping up their hiring plans now that it's no longer the buyer's market that it was. Okay. So if people still feel that way, and I know there's some hiring managers that still, still feel that way it's kind of a fallacy. It's, it's, you know, it's a false positive or, you know, or a false negative, however you want to code that, because it's not <laughs> the buyer's market that it was certainly in 2011, 2012. More, more companies hiring, much more competitive for the talent that everybody wants, which means that you're holding off on a really good unemployed candidate that's got everything you need because you've got the aforementioned bias and you think that you're going to be able to compete very well with a passive candidate who's already employed well, odds are you're, you're dealing with probably two times or three times as many tutors for that individual mm-hmm. as you were before. So the things are tighter. I'm not sure the attitudes of hiring managers towards the unemployed have caught up with that. Sure. Now, in a, an article that you had written, you had talked about uh, recruiters and HR pros that need to do a better job at, of actually segmenting the unemployed into two classes of candidates. And you listed those as A player victims and then the walking dead. Could you describe what you mean by those two and how exactly an HR pro or recruiter could differentiate between those two? So it's like style, right? It, you know it when you see it. <laughs> sure. So, it's, so it's, it's hard to scientifically divide those. But basically what, what you're going to have, you know, when you look at the unemployed, this is kind of the way I look at it. 
when you look at the unemployed, everybody in their career is, or, or most people who are, who are dynamic and are taking chances, almost everybody in their career is going to miss at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you and I have seven, eight, nine jobs in our career across 30, 35 years, there's going to come a time where we made a decision. And because you always have incomplete information about the opportunity, about your boss, about the company, about the business climate of the sector you're in, you always have incomplete information, you're going to miss at some point. So what I like to tell people and the way I like to position it to hiring managers is I always like to say that everybody misses at one point in their career. So you might see somebody who's unemployed who's got great blocks of experience, right? Right. Three, four, five years, the last like three companies, they've had big blocks and they have this progression that you can see in their career. And then you see them with a nine-month segment of their last company and now they're unemployed. That, in my eyes, if everything else checked out through the interview process, that's an A player who, who simply missed sure. and got impacted by imperfect information. Now, the flip side of that is the walking dead are, are really the people who are chronically missing. And when somebody chronically misses, you know, the question you have to ask yourself, well, is it, is it all these, com- you know, could could four or five companies right. where you couldn't make it work, is that you or is it them? Right, sure. So the, the, the difference is you want to be able, you know, recruiters and HR pros have to be able not only to view that and identify that, but then they've also got to sell it to hiring managers. Mm-hmm. And they've got to be aggressive about selling the A players who simply missed and were impacted through incomplete information or no, no fault of their own. Everybody... A talent misses because A talent is like will take chances. Sure. And A A talent is looking to progress their careers. So if they do that across a 15, 20 year period and they don't have a miss that, that ended poorly after, you know, a year or two or even six to nine months, then they're probably not super dynamic and they're probably I would tell you they're probably not an A player hmm. if if they haven't missed in today's environment. Now there are exceptions to that. There are people who work for super stable companies that are there for, you know, a decade at a time. But for the rest of America, that doesn't really hold true. Right. The rest of America, you know, is, you know, moving. And, you know, we see the average tenure. I think it's down the average tenure right now in a job is, is right around three to four years now. So you okay. kind of got to look at that for your Mendoza line and look at the career progression. If somebody misses, you've got to you got to say that that was a mess. But to kind of close it and throw it back to you, HR pros and recruiters have to be better at identifying that, and they've got to be better about selling that type of candidate who had one mess into those hiring managers who have a bunch of different biases towards the unemployed. Sure. You know, you were talking about, of course, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point about taking chances and those those A-listers, so to speak, of uh, you know looking to, to make that progression, that movement. Is there more of a concern if you're looking to hire somebody or you're recruiting them, if they've been at a company for, say, 15 years, 20 years? I mean, I, again, as you mentioned, it doesn't happen all that often now. But is that more of a concern than if somebody did have those sort of blocks that you were talking about and now they've been unemployed for three, four months? I mean, Again, I know every situation is different, but you get in the idea of, well, they've only known this one experience. They haven't progressed necessarily versus, as you said, an individual who maybe had some nice spurts, but now they're, they find themselves unemployed. I mean, is, it, is there yeah. a way to, to see? I mean, would you say one is worse than the other at all? I, I don't know that I, I would say one is worse than the other. I, you know, I always like the A player who missed. Okay. 
So if the A player who missed is currently unemployed, I'm really interested in that. It's a different challenge. Let's say somebody's been at the same company for 10 to 12 years. Right. And they've had a progression of three or four positions, and they've steadily progressed through the ranks. The thing you always have to ask yourself is, are they going to be open to change? Mm-hmm. And are they going to be dynamic enough to reinvent themselves and reprove themselves in a new company? Um, because they've, they're used to this, the, the great stability that that company has offered. And odds are, you know, if, if someone, you know, if you're recruiting for a position, you've had change, right? Mm-hmm. Something, something didn't work out or it's new budgeted headcount, you know, and you're trying to hire to that plan, but you don't have a lot of stuff figured out. Sure. You know, there's, there's change or you don't have a lot of stuff figured out. And the biggest challenge you have with the person that's been there over a decade is, Hey, it's great. You know, it's great. You like that stability. Good for them. But are they going to be able to reinvent themselves in a brand new company? And are they going to be engaged by that challenge? One of the things I always look at is like an assessment layer. I always look at, you know, is that person, there's something we do called rules orientation. So are they high rules? Are they low rules? And generally what you find, and this is, this is a little bit of a, of a stereotype, but generally what you find is that people that stay with the same company for a decade or more tend to be more high rules than low rules. Okay. And what that, what that means is low rules people are more open to chaos. They're, they're more open to you know, trying to figure out the solution without the big operations manual coming off the shelf. Sure. And, and typically speaking, that's what's required when you're filling a, a white collar position at individual contributor level or above, generally speaking, it didn't work out with somebody or it's a new department, kind of a new direction. There's stuff to figure out. So I always look at that rules orientation through an assessment layer to help me understand if that person has been with the same com- company a decade can cut it or not in, a, in an environment that's going to have a lot of chaos. Yeah, I have to give uh, you know recruiters, HR pros, hiring personnel a lot of credit because there, there's just so much to to pick through and, and figure out. Uh, you know, that's why we appreciate having experts like you on the show just to be able to to sort of wade through the waters a little bit. We're getting a little low on time. There are a couple more things I just wanted to touch on. One question that's come up in the past is the idea, especially with those that are unemployed, is the aspect of legal issues. When you're talking about you know some sort of discrimination or bias that we're talking about. Is there any sort of protection there? Is that something that's just never probably going to be a a formal aspect of, you know, you have to watch out for this because it's, I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there because it's a question that's come up that people say, you know, I feel like I'm being discriminated against because I, you know, I've been unemployed for X amount of time. I mean, has, has that come sure. up at all? Has that has it been in a conversation that you've had at all? Well, I mean, clearly, clearly that there, there's a perception among a lot of candidates out there that there's age bias. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, the, the, the toughest combination is, long-term unemployed plus age bias and the protected class is over 40. But, you know, when, when you start, when you have somebody with a great career and it's certain is, and is accustomed to earning at a certain level, right. and then they, they get impacted and they're in their 50s, let's say. I think the perception of that candidate is that there's always an age bias. You know, more often than not, there's there's a there's an experience and a and a pay bias. Sure. Candidly. Right. Because that that candidate, let's say that candidate is looking, the candidate's 55, they made 130 thousand in their last job, and they're looking to to stay even. They're not flexible off that number. That's tough. And if they're 
trying to stay local in a certain metro area, it becomes even tougher. Mm-hmm. So there, there is this perception of, of age discrimination and age bias out there. And what I always tell candidates is you've got to do things that make you look dynamic. You can't be just the normal candidate and expect the, you know, different results than what you've had over the last six months. You know, if you've been in a job search, you've got to do things to show you're active in your in your subject matter, in your area of subject matter expertise. You've got to, uh, you know, be active on thought leadership, stuff like that. You've got to do some things to make yourself look different than the average candidate that's simply been unemployed for six to nine months or a year. You've got to do some things to show you're active and to show that you can add value. And most candidates aren't, aren't willing to do that. Well, Chris, we definitely appreciate uh, you know the information you've been able to give us and, and some of the the ideas and perspectives from uh, you know that side of the table, especially. We just wanted to give you the opportunity here at the end. Uh, if there's anything you really thought that you would like to mention, sort of a, a takeaway for our listeners, particularly from the perspective of talking to hiring personnel, talking to HR pros, recruiters about the idea of you know looking at an unemployed candidate, and I guess any areas that you think would be important to emphasize as we look to wrap up. Well, if I, if I was unemployed for six months a year, or even if I'm unemployed, you know, right, you know, the, the first couple of months, the biggest thing a candidate could do to impact hiring managers, and certainly it could impact recruiters and, and HR pros, but the biggest thing you need is you need a portfolio of your work. Don't assume that a resume with a bunch of great experience is going to be enough to get you over the hump in any, in any selection process. You really need a portfolio of your work. So if you're a marketing executive, you need a portfolio of the different programs you've created. And to the extent you can, you need that portfolio to be somewhat directed towards the type of, types of positions you're applying for. And where, and where you use that is you use that as a leave behind and an interest tweaker to the hiring manager. Because in my experience, less than 5% of candidates who interview come prepared with a portfolio of work hmm. that maybe you don't get a chance to, to talk about that in the interview process. So you need to leave that as a lead behind and you need to show that work and follow up with the hiring manager. You're trying to make a connection to say, Hey, I'm dynamic. I've created these things in the job. I always think about what's next when I have this type of position that you have open and I'm, and I'm different from the other people you're talking to. And by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back to you with this that's the best protection for somebody in their 40s or 50s. That's the best protection for them not to look like everybody else and to look like the candidate that the hiring manager wants to take a chance on, that portfolio of work. It's the work and the thought that's gone into some of those projects that can make the difference between you being passed over and potentially being going from being unemployed for six months to being unemployed for a year. you got to break that cycle. Best ways to look different than other candidates. Well, those are some terrific pieces of advice for our listeners out there and a great way to close out this edition of Management Decisions and our conversation about the labeling and potential hiring of unemployed individuals. Our expert guide for this episode has been Chris Dunn, the Chief Human Resources Officer at Kinetics, and you can find his detailed thoughts at careercapitalist.com. Chris, thanks again for sharing your perspective with us. Okay, thanks for having me. Of course, we're always hoping to hear from our listeners as well, so let us know what companies or topics you might be interested in. Just send an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, and we can look to set that up for you. Thanks once again for listening to LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.